Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to need to get ahead now. They're not taking raw talent and developing them into superstars. You have to do it yourself. You have to come to the table with some proof that you've already done some business, that people like your art, that they like your songs, that they like you as an artist and as a singer, and they're responding to it. That's why we called this podcast The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That's genius, and that is a Baxternym from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he actually connects you to the pros. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Twinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It's all very complicated, but Johnny's very smart, and that's good for you. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists such as Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. How you doing, brother? Um, hunkered down with the family, as probably everybody else is. And uh, if my kids don't go to school soon, my wife is going to murder all of us. <laughs> this coronavirus thing is crazy. I am getting way more scared of her than I am of the virus. I'm just going to tell you, I love her. I love her. <laughs> and I should leave it at that. I get it. Well, the topic I want to cover today is being exacerbated by the coronavirus. Like people are now being forced to consider not being too consistent in their old ways of thinking. Like, are you being too consistent? Mm-hmm. Certainly it, it is a core of success, but it also is the downfall of a lot of companies. Companies if they're not willing to change. And we're going to tell a little story and then we're going to head into how this applies to you and how this can make your life better as an indie artist. But first, let's take care of a little business. Yes. It's a digital world out there and physical media plays a huge role for independent musicians when they're able to tour. We'll be back there soon enough. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like uh, CD, vinyl, T-shirts and uh, at gigs has become a very important income generator. It's, it's what gets you for one town to the next. So it's not just an income generator. It's like a lifeline. That's right. For every CD you sell at a gig, you need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. Now, okay, right now, yes, we're in the middle of like self-quarantining. And so... People are probably streaming more, definitely doing that more than they're going to live shows. But you know what? Now is the time to invest in your live merch because you want it ready to go when the floodgates open and people feel safe to go to shows. If they're like me, they just want to get out the house and they can be coming to your show buying your merch and you need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money for one CD. So now is the time to be prepared for when the floodgates open. And thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. And you can find them online where we find all of our friends these days at discmakers.com. That's D-I-S-C makers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. 
All right. And if uh, listen, you got nothing else to do right now because you're locked up with uh, with this uh, whole quarantine thing. So join the climb community if you haven't done so. We've got a lot of really great activity happening there. They can't keep us out of that, at least not yet. Right. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts, you know, wherever you like to consume them. Make sure you get every episode in. Tell a friend if this is working for you. Tell somebody about it. Let them know it can help them, too. If you're finding value in this, share it. And finally, we're trying to get to 200 here on the ratings and reviews. So take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review. Hopefully it's a five star. But we read them all no matter what. And we've taken some on the chin. So uh, my, my theory afraid. is if they're five, they're fabulous. And if they're a one, they're usually funny. So so we'll read them all. Yeah, right. <laughs> but don't go for funny. I mean, we prefer fabulous, just to be honest. But yes. <laughs> all right. That's right. So let's get into this here. So I have developed a, a one-sided, completely sycophant bromance with with Kirk Westwood's content on LinkedIn. Okay. So this guy's got killer content. He's a branding expert. So I just want to give credit where credit is due. When we talk about consistency, the beginning of this here, I'm basically repeating this word for word from what his ad was. This was from his his content. And it just, it, it blew my mind. Okay. Right. And he said that consistency can be applied too strongly. Consistency can be applied to bad practices. While consistency is a core of success, consistency is also a stumbling block that leads to a lot of companies falls and it leads to countless artist failures. I see this rampant because of this specific thing that we're going to talk about here. So he goes on to tell a story. The space shuttle was used from 1981 to 2011. Mm -hmm. And if you've pictured the space shuttle on the launch pad there, it's a black and white orbiter. And behind that is that big, massive red external Mm -hmm. fuel tank. And on the side of those fuel tanks are the SRBs. Those are two solid rocket booster engines that are used to propel the orbiter into orbit. And you see, you know, they pop off like once it gets up past the Earth's gravity, you've seen that. The SRBs had to be made in the dimension that they are because they were shipped to the launch sites from Utah by train. Okay. And that train had to go through a number of tunnels that have a very specific fixed clearance. So therefore, the parameters of the SRBs was very clear. The height and the width of these tunnels through the Rockies were set by the engineers of the most prominent entrepreneurial visionaries, J.P. Morgan and Cornelius Vanderbilt, using the best foresight that the 19th century had to offer. So the breadth that was bored out of the rock to make these tunnels was sufficient to support the commerce and commute required to fit the trains of the 1800s. Now, let's talk about trains. So the U.S. standard railway gauge, the distance, in other words, between the two tracks, mm-hmm. is four feet, eight and a half inches. That's pretty specific there. That's a very specific very number, specific, right? yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is largely due to the fact that this was the same gauge as the English tramway tracks. So these engineers are doing what? They're going with what they know, what's familiar mm-hmm. to them. This is the way we did it in England. This is the way we're going to do it here. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. The English tramways used that specific gauge because the tram wheels in England were being fabricated on the same SIGs as the wagon wheels at the time. Okay. Now, remember, we're back in the 1800s here. Guess what the gauge is for the wagon wheels, the distance between two wagon wheels? I'm guessing 
Four feet, eight and a half inches. Four feet, eight and a half inches. So wagon wheels use that spacing because the ruts in the road that had been cut long time ago were that space. So wagons run smoother when you run the wheel in the ruts. So mm-hmm. they never changed that gauge. The ruts that they were creating these wagon wheels for that had been cut in centuries ago were cut by Roman war chariots. Okay. Hey, Roman Le- this is crazy. Roman legions made the long distance roads to help better travel and govern the island of the UK when the Roman Empire was happening. So those same roads were used for centuries, creating the ruts. And the wagon wheel spacing, by all modern measurements, the Roman chariot wheel spacing Mm -hmm. is four feet, eight and a half inches. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay? And that four feet, eight and a half inches had been determined somewhat arbitrarily as the optimal width when compared and based on the size of the horses being used by the imperial army at that time. So do the math here. From chariot to rut to English tram to American train was four feet, eight and a half inches. The most sophisticated technology of the 20th century, the device and the shuttle that we use to launch our satellite system was required to account for the specifications determined by an arbitrary measurement of a fallen empire of another country on another continent over 1500 years ago. People really don't like change. You know what that tells me? It's really hard to get out of a rut because even the space <laughs> program was still right? in a Roman rut. It's really rut. hard to get out of a rut. That's- yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> the boosters just kind of had something to do with like how fast you could get up, how much payload you could probably carry, that kind of stuff, right? I think the boosters were required alongside of that solid fuel rocket uh-huh. just to break right, to the get out of the atmosphere. gravity. So, so it probably had an effect on how much we could get out into space, how much payload we could carry. No, that's possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of the same way when you think about a family, like a large family. Right? Oh, I can like think about a large, large family. family. You got seven people. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got seven people in your family. Now, I'll bet you that you would love to have a massive commercial washing machine and dryer that would allow you to do the whole family load at once and Instead of like a bunch of small loads, right? We were talking about that yesterday. Yeah. Why are major appliances the size that they are? Because they got to fit through the front door of your house. What? Right. Like mind blowing, right? When you think about that. And the front door of my house was made like 97 years ago. So, so you know, yeah, so washing machines weren't exactly on the front burner. Yeah, there you go. So the point here is that if your adherence to consistency has you moving past the point of relevance with data that has been misaligned, it's no longer consistency. It becomes crazy, right? It becomes crazy. Consistency mm-hmm. is yeah. good. Consistency is required. You need a consistent schedule. You need consistent shows. Uh, consistency in your live show as well as consistent show dates. You need consistency in your brand and your brand archetype. You need consistent product. You need to be consistently competitive with your songwriting, with your production on your songs if you're an artist. But we also have to be consistent with our constant search for the next thing, right? Like Brent, how many times when you're doing one-on-one consultations with writers, do you see this lack of consistency for the new thing? So they're just writing something that maybe could be great in the 70s, but it's not going to work in today's market. Oh, I, I hear that so much. And when we do stuff like the play for publisher, that kind of stuff where I hear a bunch of songs at once. Yeah, you hear a lot of stuff being pitched for modern country music that is not modern yeah. and sometimes not country. And sometimes I'm not even sure it's music. But yes, it's not modern country music. And you're like, wow, you're you're still writing, you know, what you grew up on or what your kind of touchstone was for your music. You're not progressing 
which is fine unless you want to get cuts in today's world. Yeah. So it's a lack of, of consistency on the constant search for the next thing, right? They're unaware that they need to grow yes. and they need to move forward. Mm-hmm. Same goes for marketing and exposure strategies, right? Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be, and this is this is largely the industry people. Everybody wants to be consistent and, and they're not mm-hmm. changing. They keep thinking about the way they were marketed to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, has the game really changed for you? Like how much, let's say, digital marketing are you doing? How consistent are you on social media? Are you, I hate social media, like you find it to be a pain in the butt. But yeah, if I told you, hey, I'm going to sign you as an artist today and you're going to need to spend the next three months of your life away from home out on radio tour, you'd probably do that in a freaking heartbeat. (laughs) Right, yeah. But you're not doing it on social media where you can reach all those people from your comfort of your living room because you're stuck in the old paradigm. You're still looking at, you know, chariot ruts from 1500 years ago. Right. Right. Consistency is good for practicing your instrument, for relationships, for religion. It's mm-hmm. not good for archaic marketing strategies. People don't like change. They don't mm-hmm. they don't change. It's not good for songwriting. If you're not consistently evolving as a songwriter and that, that wants to get cuts. Mm-hmm. OK, then you're you're hindering yourself. You're 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 in your own way. Somebody you know? somebody told me once you can write your you can write yourself into this business and you can write yourself right out of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. by not growing. It, it makes me think of uh, football analogies. So good consistency and bad consistency. Good consistency is every time the quarterback makes a five step drop, I want him. Him, the same foot pattern, the same distribution of weight, the same mechanics in his throwing arm every time. Consistent, consistent, consistent. It's coming out the same way. His footwork is consistent. Boom. Every five step drop is the same. Yeah. But if the receivers run the same plays over and over and over again in the same order and they're very consistent, which, oh, on third down, we always do the out to the, you know, whatever, or we always sure. drop the ball out in the flats. The defense is going to eat you alive. So that's bad consistency. So there's good consistency on, yes, the mechanics of like your throwing motion and that sort of th- thing. You try to get that as efficient as possible and always consistent so the ball goes where you want it to go. But if you're running the same plays ad nauseum where it's predictable, they're going to eat your lunch. Yeah. You know, same way with riding. Like there's ways to go. I'm consistent in improving how I do things. But if I don't apply those to how the taste of people are changing, you're like, I'm so consistent. I'm getting better and better and better at writing eight minute classic rock songs from the 70s, from the album of the air, you know, the era of the albums. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah. You're being really consistent at something that was like 40 years ago now. Yeah, that's not going to serve. OK, you. that's not going to get you into growth. I mean, right. right now, like most indie artists, most promoters, most record labels, most management companies, most booking agents, most publishing companies are effectively designing their you know, SRB rockets unknowingly being hindered and thwarted by the equivalent of a 1500 year old marketing strategy, right? <laughs> right? This is the way we used to do it. I mean, you want some proof of that? How many times have we mentioned this in the podcast? Think about what Amazon knows about you, the end user, their customer, all the information they have, credit card, shipping addresses, name, email address, phone mm-hmm. number. They know what you purchased. They know what you thought about buying and they know how to put that. Mm-hmm. If you don't purchase it, they know how to put it in front of you for two weeks. Like it's on every mm-hmm. website. It's in your Gmail. It's in your Facebook. It's in your Instagram. It's everywhere. And you bought a CD or a record or an A-track or a cassette before in your life because you're listening to this because you love music and you're an artist of some sort. You're in the industry. As a consumer, what does Sony Records know about you or Warner 
know about you. Nothing. If you think that they know your name because because they work with Spotify, mm-mm. they know con- they might know consumption mm-hmm. information the way Spotify shares that with you on Spotify for artists. So you might know like, oh, we get a lot of streams in Germany, but you don't know that it's Heinrich von so and so, and here's his email address, and here's how to contact <laughs> right. him. Because the second that a distributor shares that information they become irrelevant, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So, so here's a way where the whole industry is doing the same thing and the artists who adapt sooner are going to really, really thrive. Okay. I listen to Bob Lefsitz podcast religiously. I think I've heard just about every episode. It's there's some great interviews in there. Bob was talking with, gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh, it was uh, with the dude from Tower of Power, Emilio from Tower of Power. And he was interviewing him. And Bob said that it's difficult for older bands to get the word out about new releases and live show dates, etc. He mentioned that. He's like, how do you do that? You know, mm-hmm. and, and they're doing it the same old way. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Now, that statement is factually accurate, but it's completely explainable in that the artist's the management companies, the the promoters, the entire industry is consistently executing a strategy that doesn't work anymore, which makes it preventable. You know, yeah. they're, they're consistent now about bad practices because it worked when they were coming up in the industry doesn't mean that it's still working now. I mean, we've sold out doing digital marketing. We sold out TG Shepherd shows, right? So there's a legacy mm-hmm. artist for you. And the artists are asking. And if the you're promoter, like, who's, yeah, if you're asking like, who's TG Shepherd? That's the point. Precisely. Yeah. Johnny still sold out that show. Right? Yeah. Right. And I mean, like, come on. And, and, and they're, they're, they're literally, we sold so many tickets for these shows where we're, we've done, let's see, five now. There's been a couple that have been canceled and rescheduled, but we've done five now. We sold so many tickets for those that the artist, T.G. Shepard and, and the other artist on that bill, Ronnie McDowell, have called the promoter directly and asked him, what the hell are you doing? How did you do mm-hmm. that? You didn't do radio. What did you do? And the promoter, of course, is like, hey, you don't need to know how the clock works. You just need to know what time it is. Here's your next show. <laughs> you know? Right. Cause you're, he, you're welcome. Because if he gives you up, 
Let's go hire you. I mean, and now, by the way, so we're so successful doing that because this guy pivoted, right? This promoter pivoted and said, what does this, mm-hmm. you know, what, what does this make happen? Like, well, how do we do this a better way? So now he's added BJ Thomas onto the bill. So we've got shows coming up at the end of the year where BJ Thomas is the headliner. If you don't know who that is, that's Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. He sold 70 million records. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's huge. Or, hey, oh, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong? song. I mean, you know that song, right? It's so big. Yeah. And, and we're going to do the same thing with him. So now we're, we're scaling up the level of our artists here because they're adapting. And mm-hmm. with digital, you know, a lot of people have a hard time sort of getting their head around the statement that the money's in the data. The data helps. Well, how does the data help? Well, in this situation, the first three shows that we did, we promoted consistently, okay, in a good way, through mm-hmm. the, the end of last year. The show dates were January 8th, 10th, and 11th. And because of the data that we had for those, and we sold, those shows were all profitable, but they didn't sell out. They were all profitable. But now, because mm-hmm. we had, there were three shows, but now that from the data from those shows, we were able to optimize the marketing using the data. And we had five weeks to promote the March 6th and March 7th shows. And those are the ones that we sold out. So we did it in five weeks, less time, less money. Mm -hmm. And they sold out, right? So, you know, are you being consistent with bad practices? Or have you adapted to or at least considered some new practices, right? Like radio is not going to work for you. It's not going to break you. And by the way, radio is not even breaking major label artists anymore. You know, they need to be adapting and saying, in order to get an artist ready for a radio for the second stage rocket, right? We need to do some work digitally first. That's the way it's happening. I mean, just 10 to 15 years ago, you couldn't break unless you were on radio. And yeah. now mm-hmm. radio won't help you until after you've broken. Yeah. You know? A bigger budget for a baby artist is going to be wasted on radio and monumentally more effective in digital with digital ads. Mm-hmm. And remember, Brent, I remember you said this. What did you say about a radio spin You know, back in the day? You said a radio spin is this. Do you remember what you said? No. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so no, I know. I've said a lot about radio spins. Okay. Well, essentially, you said like a, like a single on radio, like radio spins, is essentially okay. an advertisement for the record. Oh yes. Okay. I do remember saying that on occasion. Yeah. 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 It's an ad. Go buy my record. Yeah. Guess what? The advertising platform has changed. If you're consistently mm-hmm. thinking that way, then you're missing out here. It's, it's got to be served up a different way because the platforms consume differently and it's foreign to you, mm-hmm. but the platform has changed and there's an amazing amount of success. If you have killer content, if you are a compelling artist and you are open to not being so consistently broadcast platform based, then you're going to grow an audience. You're going to blow up, you know, consumption methods, because almost every artist mm-hmm. you grew up loving broke on radio with a killer song or two or three. We assume that people all went to radio to discover new artists. Now, radio's where we discovered new artists, to be sure. Uh, or at least we right. became more mm-hmm. familiar with new artists. While that's true, it's not why we went to the radio. Right. Right. We, we went to the radio to hear our jam. We wanted mm-hmm. to hear our song that we knew that we can sing along to. And we were force-fed or forcefully exposed to new artists. 
We were forced to discover new artists. As music consumers, it took us, took us average listeners six or seven times to even begin to recognize the new song and pay more attention to it, and thus beginning the discovery process of a new artist on radio. And we developed a relationship mm-hmm. to the song on radio before we knew who the artist was. The reach and the frequency of radio is built in, right? But nobody, guess what? Nobody yeah. wants to discover new music on digital either. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, they, they don't. The difference is, and to add insult to injury, to add salt to that wound, the consumer gets to choose what they're going to hear. Unlike radio. Well, so, yeah, even radio, I was just thinking about it while you were talking about radio. It was like even the power of radio to expose us to new music started getting diluted. At one point, you didn't have preset buttons. You had to just turn the dial, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a lot of work to do if you're just not loving this song that just came on. Eh, right. I got to get up for my lazy boy, or I got to, while I'm driving, I got to turn this and find the next stage. Then you get preset knobs. Like, boop, it gets a little bit easier. Boop, gets a little bit easier. And now I got, oh, I'll just click it over to my tape that's in there, my 8-track. Oh, now I have six CDs in there. I'll just pop it on one of those. It gets easier and easier and easier to not be exposed to what you don't want to be exposed to if you just yep. want to keep the jams going. And now it's just ridiculous that you don't have to be exposed to anything you don't like. You can hop yeah. right off it. They want, everybody wants the same thing. They want to hear their jam. And so on digital, mm-hmm. because the consumer gets to choose, you, you don't push a song for the sake of the song. You, you, know, you know, on digital, new songs from debut artists are not consumable content. Does that make sense? New songs from debut artists are not consumable content. Like, we don't know who they are. We choose not to listen to it. We mm-hmm. choose to go with what we want. Somebody who doesn't know you from a can of paint isn't going to consume that. Or at least not enough to make a difference. So... Yeah. I mean, there will always be those people out there that are, you know, probably like us that are interested in hearing new music. You know, that yeah. want to hear some new stuff because that's, hey, music is what we do. We're always thirsty for more. A lot of people aren't that way. Yeah, ex- exactly. Most people aren't that way. That's like... One percent of the people was the guy in your hometown when you were growing up who was like seemingly never had a job, but is always just hanging out at the record store. Friends with Mm -hmm. everybody that worked at the record store knew their shifts and, you know, was always high. And he was the guy that was like, (laughs) hey, man, you got to check this out. You know, when you went in, you're like, thanks, bro. You know, you're like, yes, I need to check that (laughs) out because you trusted his taste because he knew what was going on because he was there the whole time. That guy, he's like one percent of the music loving population. That's not going to help you, you know. Right. So on digital, you know, you've got to rethink this. You can't consistently be thinking about the old way. You have to think about the new way. The song must be incorporated into some kind of consumable content, either visually consumable, educationally consumable, or or entertainment. But entertainment, it's not you singing a new song. If I don't know you, it's got to be something else, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Think about like OK Go, who took a song and with very, uh, it was extremely resourceful. There, somebody's in the band's sister sold, either owned a gym or sold workout equipment to a gym. And they were able to get mm-hmm. their hands on nine treadmills. And they created that visually fascinating video of them choreographing mm-hmm. their single on treadmills. So you didn't watch because you wanted to discover new music. You didn't watch because OK Go was really good and the song was awesome. You watched because what they did was so freaking fascinating that they were able to grab your time. And then guess what? You heard this song. 
I mean, that's the same reason I watched a lot of Shania Twain videos back in the 90s. Visually compelling. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Just in I a mean, different consumers way. develop a, a relationship with the artist before they're going to listen to the song, or they're going to develop a relationship with the content before they're going to listen to the song. So that brings us to the next step here. The content, the digital content that works for an artist who amassed their audience on a broadcast platform probably won't work for an artist with little or no audience trying to break on a digital platform. You've got to know the difference, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to understand the difference. And if you're consistently doing the same thing and your audience hasn't grown, is it working? (laughs) You know, like, is it it time to rethink and say, we need to spend some serious money on digital marketing and figure out something different? And by the way, it makes sense to the record industry why they move so slow, because for them, when digital came about, when social media was invented, all the artists that they were working at on the high levels of the music industry had audiences from radio and from TV and from touring. They had massive mm-hmm. audiences that flooded over onto digital now. So for those artists, and, and think about it from the perspective of a, of a music executive, uh, you know, a top-tier manager, a top-tier promoter, a top-tier record executive, A&R person, like, guys, to them, digital social media walks and talks and smells like a broadcast platform, right? Because whatever that artist puts on their digital platform is actually relevant and personal to the people that are there because they already know the artist and they're in love with the artist. They've already been amassed from a broadcast platform. So Mm -hmm. it makes the waters very muddy and very confusing. And if you are looking at big artists and trying to see what they're doing with their content, you just have to be careful to filter your ideas through the new artist or the debut single or I'm an artist with the low audience filter. Like, is this going to help me if Mm -hmm. I do this? Or does this only make sense for this artist because he has an audience or she has an audience? You know, the choices that you make. I mean, we've kind of talked about this with branding before, but if you think about, mm-hmm. we talked about like Celine Dion, right? So if Celine Dion mm-hmm. came out of the box and she looked, she had like torn leather pants and like a ripped up concert t-shirt. And that was the album cover of her first record. And mm-hmm. she's all like rocked out and everything. It wouldn't make sense, right? For her to do that. But right. if you look at her, you know, 20 years later, Later, and she shows up on Oprah in high heels and some killer tight leather pants and a concert t-shirt. It's adorable, but only because we know her. Right. It's not right? confusing. And so, yeah. yes, it's not confusing. So you have to be intentional about this. So you must make your content, at least initially, that will be consumable for reasons other than it's your song or your, the mm-hmm. way you're singing it, your performance, right? If it's going to be consumed by new eyeballs, and most of you, by the way, your answer to digital marketing is, I'm going to put it up on Facebook and Spotify and see what happens. Well, you know, yeah. you're, you're not getting into growth that way, you know? So... Mm-hmm consistency. You're like, what? We're talking about not being consistent. Yes. Now I'm going to talk about consistency. Back to consistency. A single (laughs) on the radio has consistency in the form of rotational format programming, right? So Mm -hmm. it's the reach and the frequency part. Okay. And so if you, you know, if you're an artist that, you know, has done radio before, had your songs on the radio, whether it's 
primary radio or secondary radio, you need to know that the consistency was built in. The song was able to find a life because it was being played over and over and over again. We were constantly interrupting people's attention to put your song in front of them, and they didn't have a choice but to listen to it or change the channel. Right. But on a digital platform, because they get to change, the frequency or the consistency, or you can call it repetition, it must be intentional, it must be manufactured, right? So if you are consistently mm. thinking about pushing your song on digital, but you're using old methods, like a broadcast platform method, or you think, you know, we we, this just comes to my mind. Like we've had a lot of artists that we've worked with where they've ended up being on like The Voice, right? Or American uh -huh. Idol or America's Got Talent. If they're young enough and they don't understand or they're naive enough, they think they're going to get famous because of all that exposure. Right. But they don't, right? You get famous maybe for 15 minutes and then it all goes away mm -hmm. because it's right. not... You're not consistently on the radio or consistently on TV. The consistency, mm. you know, has to be there, right, in terms of exposure. So the same thing has to happen on a digital platform. You have to think, I've got to intelligently inject frequency or repetition into my marketing on digitally, and then miracles will happen. As long as that art is compelling, you are going to be mm -hmm. amazed at what happens. So, you know, the old, well, we're, it's foreign to us, and we're a little scared because it's digital, so we're going to try, you know, 50 bucks or $500 or even $3,000 of an ad buy. And well, we're not famous yet, so it's not working. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not, you're not being consistent. I mean, th through consistency on digital, as long as you keep stuff going out and you're, you're, you're spending a little money every month on digital ads, you're massing data, right? And that data mm -hmm. helps you optimize the ads moving forward. Or if you're using a service like Daredevil, it helps you optimize that service. So there it is, guys. I, you know, be careful. Be careful that you're not still stuck in the rut of thinking about the old record industry. Because if you can break away from that, if you can be the first one to break away from that, the world is your oyster. I, there's so very little music traffic on social media that's being paid in the form of paid traffic, you know, of artists. Mm -hmm. Like you, you're being blown up every day by boneheads that are DMing you about music you don't even care about in a town that you don't <laughs> even live. Right. I get that. Mm -hmm. Or you've got stuff in your feed from somebody that just happens to be in your feed for whatever reason. But if you're not being intentional about that, there's the paid ads. It's not a whole lot of artists doing that. You're seeing product ads, you know? So there's mm -hmm. room. I mean, look at that. Take, take some time today. You're not doing anything. You're coronavirus quarantined and go look at all the all paid right. ads and, and tell me what, which, which is a new artist or an artist even that you're familiar with. That's, that's pushing music through paid traffic on digital. It's, it's not happening. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's very, very infrequent. You're going to see all product ads. So make the change, pivot, pivot now. And not for nothing in this time, like right now in the coronavirus pivot because nobody's got anything to do. And so you're going to have a whole lot mm -hmm. more eyeballs and a whole lot more attention on any kind of stuff that you push out in the next couple of weeks, you know? So listen, give us a call at Daredevil. This is what we do. This is how we're breaking artists. We're getting them in front of new eyeballs and we're doing it on digital platforms. That's the long and the short of it. You know, most artists remain undiscovered. They feel invisible. They're hopelessly buried in the chaos of an overcrowded music market. And at Daredevil Production, we're breaking artists digitally. We're 
we're exposing them to vast new audiences so that they can grow a loyal fan base and make a better living. It's not rocket science, but it does require you to get your head around what's new and not be consistently stuck in the old rut. So that's all I got to say about that. If you haven't done so yet, download the free informational PDF, 21 Biggest Reasons You Don't Have a Bigger Audience. It, just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and tell us where to send it. It's free to you. And we're also available for consultation if you'd like to discuss this a little more. You know, right now for coronavirus, we have a 33% discount, saves you 50 bucks on a consultation. Get in touch with us. We'll be happy to talk with you and discuss some different strategies that are very personalized to you and tell you what you can do to take advantage of the downtime now okay mm-hmm. once again you know join the climb community subscribe to the podcast tell a friend and leave a rating and review that we're doing this guys we think about this stuff here this podcast exists because we want you to win so keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.